Hello, and welcome to episode 190 of the End Focus podcast. I am your irregular host, Andrew Brown. Andy and Tori are both off this week, but we are joined by our new co-host, Rosalie, the little record girl. Rosalie, how are you doing this weekend? Hello, I'm very good today. How are you? I've been awake for 16 hours, so yeah. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> it's time for bed, but oh well. Uh, there's podcasts to be recorded and video games to be beaten. Those take precedence, especially yep. since it's Sunday. Who cares? Yep. So let's dive right into things with our latest Switch news. Mm-hmm. First up, the Switch has now outsold the 3DS in Japan in five years with... The Switch, 24.6 million units, and 3DS took over 10 years to reach similar sales. That is an impressive milestone and speaks to the popularity of the system. Yeah, I'm not surprised either because the 3DS, you just had the handheld for obviously the Switch mm-hmm. is two-in-one. Mm-hmm. So I'm very not surprised it's selling very, very well. Especially with the hardware shortage, like Nintendo has also announced that like, well, they haven't announced. They've declared for the benefit of their shareholders that uh, sales are probably going to go down this year. It's the first year they're expecting sales to go down instead of up, which I think speaks to the number of people who already own the hardware and also suggests there's not going to be a new hardware model out this year. And also just the chip shortage worldwide and the difficulty of acquiring other manufacturing components. Yeah. It's a uh, it's an interesting place where the Switch is at. I think it's it's reached its midlife because Nintendo has said they expect it to last eight to ten years. This We're at year five now, so I think we're about halfway through our Switch's lifespan at this yeah. point. And also I think Japan have still been dealing with the pandemic quite badly compared to other countries mm. with their borders shutting and then shutting and then shutting again. So I'm not surprised there's like shortages and things, but then I am surprised that they're still selling very well despite that. So that's good. (laughs) I have not been following how Japan has been weathering the uh, pandemic, but you know, I live in the United States, so I can't (laughs) criticize anybody. No, well, I I buy a lot of like uh, anime figures and things. So a lot of the websites I use, there's delays or there's no shipping from Japan at all. So that's usually where I'm... Hearing it from, and I know some people had booked holidays um, there and weren't allowed to go, uh, which is pretty understandable. Uh, (laughs) But um, yeah, that's where I get all my news from, is just from all my various figure collecting and merchandising needs. Um, But yeah, I just wish they'd sell, be able to sell more Joy-Cons. That'd be great. (laughs) Also announced, uh, the developer of Genshin Impact has revealed that the Switch version is still in development, although personally I think it's it's too little too late at this point. It's the same deal with Fall Guys, you know. Fall Guys for Switch is still in development. Does oh. anybody care at this point? That's a shame as well, because I got Fall Guys when it came out originally, and it was mm-hmm. really fun, and I just kept thinking, man, this is a perfect game for the Switch. And it's a shame, for whatever reason, why both of these things... Because again, although... I played Genshin Impact when it first came out as well. Um, I've fallen out of favour with it for many reasons, Hmm. mainly of which that it is uh, very much a gacha game and it's quite um, dodgy with that kind of thing. Uh, But it's a shame because I probably would have played more of it if it wasn't the Switch um, back when I did play it. And it it is very much a Breath of the Wild um, 
I'm going to use this word and people might be annoyed, clone. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a shame. I, I do wonder if it's because of how big a game it is. Because every time you play it, it takes ages to load up. And this is even on really modern wow. hardware. So yeah, I wonder if we're just never going to see it. And it's probably going to be on whatever the next, next iteration of a Nintendo console we're going to get. Well, that was when I immediately lost interest in it was when uh, I heard how it was monetized. Because, like, you know, a free-to-play Breath of the Wild-style adventure game, sure, I might take a look at that. Then mm-hmm. I found out everything else out about it. Uh, no, it's all right. I'll pass. <laughs> yeah, and it's a shame because it, it is a beautiful game. It, it definitely 100% mm. is a Breath of the Wild clone, which I think whenever a huge game comes out that does very well, you're going to see other people copying it because that's just kind of what happens with art in general. But there is a lot to like about it. Great voice acting beautiful character models if you like very anime kind of inspired um kind of looking of the characters and things but yeah the what you get to a certain point and it's so hard to make any progress progress without spending actual money and i absolutely hate things like that so i kind of was like right i'm going to try and not play games like this ever if i can avoid it (laughs) it's a shame because if they were like hey buy this game for like 30 quid and it's a game i probably would have actually played it yeah and it's kind of unavoidable because it's it's still huge so if you go to a convention you will see about hundreds and hundreds of genshin impact cosplays there is no escape <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i think i don't know i don't know if we'll ever actually see the switch version but who knows apparently it's still coming it's still coming but doubts well there, there is a difference i, I made an unfair comparison because Fall Guys is not a free game. Uh, I think a lot of its success when it first came out was because it was a PlayStation Plus free game, and it also came out right when the pandemic started. So there was a little bit of lightning striking there for the developer there in Mm -hmm. in terms of success. But Genshin Impact is a free game. So I think, you know, it's not going to be as explosively popular as it was uh, when it first came out. I think it'll just be another way for people who already are playing the game to play it on a Switch. Mm-hmm. Kind of like uh, Warframe is, is treated kind of the same way. It's like, oh, great, I can play it on Switch now when I'm not at home to play it on my much better hardware. That, yeah. That's more how I see Genshin Impact being approached than anything else. I- I'm wondering if it's maybe mobile users that will want the Switch version because I can't... It's on mobile. It's on like iOS and Android, and I can't imagine yeah. that playing it like that because your phone must overheat <laughs> because my my god um it's such a very environmental heavy graphics heavy it's just very vibrant and yeah would not want my, to burn my hands playing it on the phone so i'm wondering if it's maybe that audience that they want to kind of shift um to the switch but we will see uh-huh. i don't know i see some of the people who play games on their phones they're perfectly happy to do it and they are they're quite adept at it as well. I look yeah. at what they do with touch screens. And I'm like, how is that even possible? Because I, I can barely, I can barely play games with a controller. <laughs> you give me something that uses a touch screen, I'm like, no, no, I refuse. I, I can, I can barely type on a touch screen. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking of getting one of those things you can like attach to your phone, so you can actually use not your phone's touch screen. Because I just can't, mm-hmm. I can't do it. it. Just doesn't work for me maybe i have weird hands i don't know (laughs) i just want them to make a smartphone that has a physical keyboard like 
once the iPhone came out and just killed the uh, the BlackBerry, that that just kind of disappeared. Oh, yeah. And I, it's like, try it. Like there are people like me who would prefer to have a phone with a physical keyboard, but they're just they're not making it, or at least they're not making it in a service that's any good. Yeah. Last bit of news here, Reggie Fisame, former head of Nintendo of America, has revealed in an interview that he hated Donkey Konga. Quote here, I have to tell you, as an executive, I hated Donkey Konga. I hated it. I fought with our parent company. I thought it was going to hurt the Donkey Kong brand. Personally, I didn't find it a lot of fun to play, so I pushed back hard. You know what? We launched it. The first game actually sold reasonably well, but boy, I was not a fan. Have you played Donkey Konga? Do you agree with that? Take on uh, it. I yeah I got it when it came out as a GameCube. I think it must have been like a birthday <laughs> present or something. I loved it. I still have mm. it. Important to know in case people don't that are listening that it's basically a reskin of a very popular music rhythm game called Taiko no Tatsujin, which is like where you pay, play a little um, Japanese taiko drum with two batons. It was basically that, and then they wanted to make it a Donkey Kong thing. Um, I loved it. I thought the songs in it were great. I had the high scores I was going to submit to the Nintendo magazine of my time, but I never did, and I wish I still did. <laughs> no, I just thought it was a lot of fun, but that was back in the day where music rhythm-based games with controllers were huge. Yeah, that was in the Guitar Hero era, and yeah. that was what I was playing. Like I had Donkey Konga, but I didn't spend a great deal of time playing it. What convinced me to buy it was I saw YouTube videos of people playing the multiplayer mode by themselves they would take four donkey konga drum controllers and strap them together and (laughs) one person would play the four player mode by themselves it was amazing to look at yeah but i got the game myself i actually have all the hardware to do that but i've never taken the time to learn how to do it Uh, the covers are pretty lame like yeah they're not the Best. It's got Blink 182 on it, doesn't it? On the first one. <laughs> a really bad one. Yeah. It's like Muzak. <laughs> but even the covers aren't 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 great. They're like the bad covers that were in Guitar Hero, but even worse than those. <laughs> even besides that, there's a lot of public domain songs in it, which is uh even worse. And then then there's the Nintendo music. The Nintendo music is fine. I like but. that you could um, change your sound of when you like hit the notes and there was like a NES one and I think it was mm-hmm. like just like coin noises and things and it was really annoying but it was quite funny. The novelty was good at the time. Uh, it was basically it was Nintendo's take on Guitar Hero and it was very very Nintendo of the time. Yeah. Uh, that was you know when they were still pushing four player local play with really expensive hardware to get together for everybody to do it by the time i got it donkey congo was like five bucks for the software and five bucks for the controllers they didn't launch it they didn't launch at those prices i assure you but that was the price i paid for them because that was how fast the floor fell out from under donkey congo yeah, I'd have to ask my mum's credit card of the time how much <laughs> it originally cost. But it was also interesting because around that time, I don't know, if, it must have been afterwards, there was a Mario uh, DDR clone that came with a dance mat as well. I own that. I've never actually played oh, it, but I do. bought it at a convention just because uh, I, thought, I thought it was cool. Which is quite <laughs> rare because I heard, did it not only come out in Europe? 
could be. Uh, so you might have a, a rare game on your hands. I'm thinking, oh, I remember it only came out somewhere and people were annoyed. Mm. Unless I'm making that off my head. I've got, it's it's the box and everything. The box isn't in great condition. It's still wow. got like the store's custom label put on it and that <laughs> really nasty sticky stuff that doesn't yeah. come off. I don't know. I, I've got a complete set of it. It's not in mint condition, but I've got the complete set. And I really should get out my GameCube or my Wii and just play that one day here. Do but it. I just, Do it. Yeah. I don't even know what songs are on that at all. I uh, just, I've seen some footage of it and I was like, wow, I didn't know this existed. This is great. <laughs> it's a lot of Mario remixes. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I had the, I had the Jungle Book one. So the my Mario dance mat is far more far more cooler <laughs> but yeah I, I i don't i don't agree with reggie i thought it was great fun the height of music rhythm controllers being really cool i can understand that he might not have thought it was a clever idea at the time but then which is weird because in japan they love their music rhythm games they are all about that so um that's quite um i imagine it sold very very well over there especially well, we just have a blurb from his book. We don't know the full context. And he may true. not even reveal the full context. But really, if I looked at Donkey Konga, especially at its its original price point, I would not have paid that for that <laughs> price. Not not with the quality of the game it was, the amount of content that was in it, and especially the, the quality of the songs that was in it. It was especially releasing concurrently more or less with guitar hero it was it was kind of pathetic <laughs> a little bit i was quite young i think i mean i was a teenager mm-hmm. so i had like my kind of you know that that kind of in play so i didn't kind of see the bad points i was like cool congas <laughs> yeah, i was in my early 20s when you had friends over it was like either bring out the guitar hero or bring out donkey conga so <laughs> well one thing to speak for the conga controllers is nintendo actually did put out uh, and a, a side-scrolling platformer-style Donkey Kong game called Jungle Beat. Yeah, I remember that. that. Was, yeah, now, I've actually played quite a bit of that on GameCube, and that's actually a really interesting platformer because you do control it by beating on the drums, and like the boss, the boss battles are like conga drum duels. It's, <laughs> it's a really cool game. It was a really good application of the controller, and actually I think it's a a much better reason to own the controller versus Donkey Kongo 1 and 2. Yeah, I think the actual, the original company that do, well, I think Donkey Kongo was also developed by the same people who do um, the title drum games. They also have mm. done music rhythm, like RPGs, where you can still <laughs> use the drums, and I kind of like that because it's not like they're just going to get collect dust over time. The fact there's like actual games where you can pick up your physical controllers again is actually pretty nice. Yeah, I'd like a reason to use all my Guitar Hero crap that I have in a closet. <laughs> hey, apparently nice. they're, they're starting to be worth money now. Apparently, so really, yeah, and I'm really annoyed that well, I chucked all mine out. Don't. Oh, I'm not selling mine. <laughs> like, uh... are they covered in the the stickers of the time that you used to get with the? No. No. I really No, wanted... I didn't use those stickers on mine. Oh, I really wanted the the, the Beatles uh set that you got back mm-hmm. in the day. I have the physical mm-hmm. game but I never had the set and I'm I'm still looking for that at a good price if I can find it. One day. <laughs> good luck. I know, I know. <laughs> I think I think all the Beatles super fans bought all those up and they're never gonna let him go. <sighs> How dare they? Well, Reggie's new book is gonna be out May third. So let's move on to what we played this week. Yep. 
first up this week, I played a collection of PC games called War Mines Collections. It's based off of PC classic free game Minesweeper. If you've never played Minesweeper, uh, you have a, a field, like a, a grid that you can click in. And when you click on a box in it, it'll either reveal a blank space or a number. If there's a number in it, then that is the number of mines that are located in the field around it. And you've got to use deductive reasoning to work out where all the mines on the field are at without clicking on them. And it's really challenging. It's really brain teasing. It's quite a lot of fun. Uh, the War Mines Collection adapts that to World War One and World War Two battlefields. And basically, you play Minesweeper in like a battlefield where these low-poly soldiers are having a war on either side of the field, and you solve the puzzle, then the field clears, and you move on to the next battle. And there's like little factoids about the war in the bottom left corner you can read that are not translated very well or, or not written very well. Whoever did the English version of this game doesn't have the, the best grasp on English. I, I could understand it, but there was a lot of grammatical mistakes. Uh -oh. And yeah, mm -hmm, unfortunate, especially when you're, when you're telling real history, it, it really notices the oh, errors no. there. And some of the fields kind of have little quirks and gimmicks to them. Like in World War One, when you're in the trench battles, mustard gas was a real problem in World War One. So you get a little history lesson about mustard gas. And then as you're trying to solve the puzzle, there will be clouds of mustard gas going over the field, obscuring your vision of the board. It's an interesting game. Uh, it's also very short. It's, it's two games. And I, I finished both of them in under an hour and a half. If you're a Minesweeper super fan, it might be worth looking at. The game's only $2.99 US right now uh, for its new release sale. And I'm sure once it goes on sale in a couple months' time, you can get it for $1.99, which is the eShop's minimum price they're allowing now. I'm not mad I played it, but it's it pretty much exactly what I expected it to be. It's a really budget Minesweeper game, and... The war stuff just kind of got in the way of just having fun playing Minesweeper because I had to wait so long between each puzzle rather than just dumping right into the next one. But I enjoyed Minesweeper, so I still had a good time with this. Uh, it wasn't the worst thing that I've paid. It wasn't the worst thing I've spent two ninety nine on. I actually didn't know that there was actually um, rules to Minesweeper until a few years ago. Um, <laughs> when I used to play it, I thought it was like a guessing thing. I think I played it on my Windows 98 computer, I think it was on that nice. to begin with. Um, and me and my friends always just clicked randomly and then we always lost. And I thought that's just what <laughs> that's just what happens. And then I saw, like, I think it was a tweet or something, be like, hey, did anyone know this? I'm like, oh, that makes a lot more sense. <laughs> <laughs> so I've not actually gone back to play it knowing, you know, what the actual rules are. So I wonder if I'd actually enjoy it now. That reminds me of the first time I played Tetris on Game Boy. I was a little, little kid. Uh, I didn't understand what the point of the game was, so I thought I was just supposed to make patterns, like make like a pretty, pretty pattern in the field <laughs> with the shapes that were dropping down, and like I was confused because lines kept disappearing. It's like why are they disappearing? <laughs> uh, I was very young. I wonder if someone's done that then, like a puzzle oh, game where you no have doubt. to make like pixel art. I know there's Picross, but. Mm -hmm. Oh, Quick. don't get me started on Picross. <laughs> oh, I can't do it. So 
I've tried. Oh. No, it just does not compute. I am a Picross Ultra fan. I have played all the Picross games and talked about them on this podcast. <laughs> oh, maybe you can teach me how to play them then. I'm just Calculix, so whenever it's like numbers, mm. I'm like, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh. And it's a shame because I really wanted to get the. I had the demo of the Sega one that's on the Switch. And I was like, oh, cool, Sega, sprite art. And then I was like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> For years, I've been thinking about just writing down a little guide about how to play Picross, just the the beginner stuff to ease you into things. But I just I just have never done it. But if I ever do, I'll, I'll link it to you. Thank you. Now, you've been playing a game, I believe it's from HAL Laboratory, the creators it is, of Kirby. Yeah. yeah, it's called Part-Time UFO. Why don't you talk to us about that? Yeah, so it is a physics-based puzzle game, and it originally was like a um, iOS and Android uh, game in Japan, I think in 2017. And so the version on the Switch is like a um, ex- expanded on port. Um, I think it's the first time it's also been available for anyone outside of Japan. And it's mm. absolutely adorable. But you're, you know, you can make assumptions about that because it's by the same developer as all the Kirby games. <laughs> they, they do adorable very, very well. And is it the UFO? It looks pretty heavily based off the UFO power-up in the Kirby games. Oh, I thought it was more based maybe off of um, UFO catchers, like the arcade games you get in Japan. Hmm. Um, I have not played those, but <laughs> I've played I've played them online where you control them wirelessly mm. in Japan, and a lot of my a lot of the figures in my house are prize Sega prize figures, or they're from those very mm-hmm. machines. But it, yeah, you're right; it could also be based on that. Um, I, I couldn't find any confirmation there, so maybe it's a bit of both. But you play as a little cute uh, UFO uh, called Jobski, super super cute. You know, like the crane games, you have like a long crane and you have to pick things up and put them in certain places. So the tutorial is that you're moving large crates of oranges for this little farmer man. Uh, And you have to also make sure wherever you place them that they don't topple over, which can happen. Mm -hmm. You can like finish that. You can like finish a level and then it'll start to like, you know, do like a drum roll for you to like win. But then something will just start to fall and you're like, oh, no. And then you're like, oh, I have to start over again. Okay. But it's very, very, very cute. And this version as well lets you play it uh, co-op with a friend, which is really, really, Mm. really fun. And how I played it um, for the first time with my partner. And it was a huge laugh because you're obviously physics based games where things can fall and move other things if you have a friend in the mix it makes it a lot harder but that also makes it a lot more fun and there's like little levels like uh, an item in a museum has fallen and broken and you can see a picture in the background and you have to kind of put it up together and it's usually quite a high which means a lot of things can fall and it's just very very cute every kind of level in it you can earn um up to three medals and then the medals can help you progress so you can um unlock more stages and things and the medals will be things like there's one where i just did one where you have to make a salad and one of the things was <laughs> that i had to put all this like make a salad in a big bowl and i had to uh, i had to find this egg that was also a dog uh, and if i had it into my salad then i got a medal um it's just really silly things like that there's like a, a little character that pops up in stages who looks like a little um a little viking man <laughs> i don't know that's the best way to describe him he's really weird looking and kind of cute and if sometimes you make this one we have to make like a roman pillar um house situation and if you put him in it then you get a medal um and he just sometimes randomly pops up the music in it is great. If you ever played the games called Local Roco, it's very reminiscent of them, where it's like these very cutesy 
choral singing. It's just very adorable, very fitting with what you're doing. Um, it's not the same composer as Local Roco, though I found out it's the guy that did all the music for Mother 3 and obviously some Kirby games. And what's really cool about the Switch version is there's two extra game modes. There's one called Treasure Island, where you get limited time to collect lots of treasure from these like ancient ruins. And there's Tower of Infinity, where you have to stack up as many random items as possible without it collapsing and falling everywhere. Oh. It's very, very cute, very fun. I think it's more fun with someone else to play it. And um, when you go in the main menu, you're like you're in your little house as a little UFO, like little tiny little UFO reading. I think you're reading a paper or something. And if you pick local co-op, then your friend just comes into your little house and it's like, yay, <laughs> it's just very cute. And it's, yeah, I absolutely love it. I actually think that if you are someone that has friends over regularly, although it's only two-player co-op, this is like the perfect game to play with someone else. It's great. And it's only, for us, it was only £8 on the eShop. So I think that would be about $10 probably. That sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. In that neighborhood. Yeah. And it only came out in two years ago. So um, I don't know if they're going to add any more to it, but it's just it's just great. I mean, you can never usually go wrong with anything by HAL Laboratories. So. You can usually count on their aesthetic, at least, being appealing. Like yes, I, yeah. I haven't always been interested in every game that they've released, but they, they've, they've put out some fun stuff. This isn't one that you're going to spend hours upon hours on. It's maybe something <laughs> you'll play with, you know, for a little blast at a time if you're waiting on something when you got your switch out with you but it's uh it involves a lot of concentration um there's like a, there's like circus <laughs> ones where there's like an elephant on a tightrope with like a circus pole and you have to balance monkeys and things uh and it's actually a lot harder than i thought it would be um but it, it's really great and it's really fun and I, i'm actually wondering if we're going to see maybe more games that were originally mobile like android and ios based that we you know don't get over here we might actually see switch versions in the future that would be kind of cool because there's lots of games um out in japan mobile that you cannot get here are very very cool that i know about so i'm like oh i wonder if this will set a precedent for more games to come but who knows all right sounds good mm -hmm. uh i was certainly interested in that when that got announced it just got lost in the shuffle of all the other things that yeah, were coming it was, out. It was in a Nintendo Direct, I think, of the mm -hmm. time, I'm sure. Um, and I, again, it's weirdly, like last episode, it's a game I picked up because Game Grumps were playing it. Um, I didn't mm. think I was much of a Game Grumps fan, but I've actually bought a few games that they like. I didn't. They showed me that existed, so there you go. I think one reason I didn't get it was it kind of looked like a, an arcade game where it looked a little score chasey, where that's the main goal is you're just trying to get high scores. So like, I, I really need something... I prefer more structured uh, progression systems. No, yeah, I know what you mean. I, I should also add that um, every time you complete a, a level, um, you get a pay mm -hmm. packet because it's part-time. You know, you have a part-time job, part-time UFO, and you can buy little outfits. And I think it's more about collecting all these little outfits. You get like a witch and each outfit has its own little kind of taunt. The witch has like little sparkles. <laughs> I've got a little packaging man where he kind of looks like a, you know, he's got a little delivery hat and like a little cardboard package and his thing is a little doorbell that appears. I, they've added that to kind of make it less, I think less about the high score kind of aspect because I am the same. I like collectibles to unlock art or things like that rather than just points. Um mm -hmm. So that was like a really cute uh, thing. So I, I, I think if if you're unsure, I think it's one to add to your wish list to get notified if it's on sale. Um, I think it's definitely worth the price point that it's at. 
but I think being a little cheaper might sway a bit more people from trying it out. If you play, if you live in a house with a partner or a friend, it's definitely a great thing to play if you just want to catch up with someone or have some drinks or, you know, just have some fun. It's perfect for that. Absolutely perfect. Uh, second game I played this week was the record of Lodos War Deedlit in Wonder Labyrinth. This is a retro-style adventure platformer, pretty clearly based on Symphony of the Night more than any other game, but it, it definitely stands out on its own in some of the things it does. But it's played very much like Symphony of the Night, where it's a side-scrolling game where you explore a, a castle kind of environment, and you play as Deedlet, a character from the record of Lotus Wharf. I, I, I have been calling it an anime, but it's much larger than just being an anime at this point. Yes. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I, I play as Deedlet, who wakes up in the labyrinth one day, and she has to find out what the labyrinth is and how to escape. And as she is exploring it, she finds that it's filled with all of her friends and enemies from the Lodos War. As she's going through it, you know, I can find, like, weapons that improve her attack and health upgrades it's your standard castlevania slash metroid style adventure platformer but what really makes it stand out is actually how small it is i finished this entire game front to back i think i found just about all the collectibles might have been one or two i missed in under five hours and i spent oh. really more time uh dying to and repeating the bosses than really doing anything else it's a really compact game and I, I I'm not complaining I consider that to its credit because I, I think the bosses were actually the most interesting thing that this game does they were really really challenging because D does not have much hit points she will go down super quick uh, and the trick to surviving is deed finds early on in the labyrinth two elemental spirits she finds a fire spirit and a wind spirit and i can switch between those spirits with the press of a button while she has the wind spirit equipped she's immune to wind attacks and while she has the fire spirit equipped she's immune to fire attacks and that's what most of the bosses do is they send these bullet hell patterns of projectiles at you and i i have to just keep switching between the two different modes to survive these patterns and then hit the boss in the few seconds that are open where they're not attacking or where they are leaving themselves vulnerable in some way. And there's a lot of precision required to get through that. It's really, really challenging. I managed to get through it without too much difficulty. I, I didn't feel like any boss was spectacularly unfair. I had a great time just learning to fight them, and that was really the highlight of the game for me. It's the reason to own it. Like, I, I have, don't know anything about Record of Lotus War. This is my first exposure to it, so I, I can't really speak to how well a representative of the franchise it is, but I, I understood the story that it was telling. I didn't feel like there was anything going on that I didn't understand. I think it's a non-essential addition to the series for that reason. I don't think you're missing anything. Uh, but for that very reason, I think if you're like me and you don't know anything about Record of Lodos War, then there's nothing preventing you from playing it and still comprehending everything that's going on. So it's very approachable from that 
perspective. I, I had a good time with this game. I do recommend it, especially for adventure platformer fans and bullet hell fans and uh, fans of the, the anime, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, I believe it was light novels first that got picked mm, up as mm. an anime. I could be wrong. It's been a very long time since I've last read slash watched anything related to it, but I think it was a light novel, which basically just means a, a novel that kind of set in like an anime type kind of visual environment but um yeah no i really this is a game that i really really want to play actually because i love metroidvanias um and the fact that it's quite short is actually very appealing to me because i still haven't completed uh bloodstained because i felt it was too long yeah yeah i see I, that yeah mm -hmm. I, I put so many hours into it and i was like wow we still have some way to go <laughs> how's is there voice acting in there's not it's super oh. retro it, it, oh. it really it's very much like uh i guess symphony of the night did have voice acting in it, it but did, yeah. <laughs> yeah it really looks like a 32-bit game like a side-scrolling game it's all pixel art but it doesn't look 16-bit it looks 32-bit like symphony of the night and they could have had voice acting but it, it doesn't they go really old school on the design no i'm kind of glad because i didn't uh, I didn't like the voice acting in Bloodstained. <laughs> <laughs> there's a character in Bloodstained that says my name because my my there's no character with my name. It's like you have to find remains of somebody or get mm. revenge on their friends called Rosalie, but they don't pronounce my name properly. <laughs> so ever since I've just had this garage with the voice acting in it. My God, they didn't pronounce my name. My name really pops up and things. So no, that's that. that yeah, I'm actually extra wanting to play that now. <laughs> <laughs> and the box art to Lotus War is absolutely gorgeous. I think it kind of stands out amongst other Switch games, personally. Yeah, it looks all right. Uh, I really like anime stuff, so the, yeah. the, my bias is uh, <laughs> coming out there. It's got pretty anime art, then to me it's like, whoa. <laughs> I'm the opposite. When I see anime, I my uh, my caution alarms go off. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've played way too many anime games set in high schools at this point i'm just like no no more i'm done oh no i'm the same i <laughs> i like i love the persona series but i'm like please just be in a college just be in like <laughs> a university please 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 i mean i think most of my favorite anime is adult characters for that very mm -hmm. reason um yeah like i i know my exposure to anime is limited because i only see what comes to america and the stuff that comes to america is only the stuff for teenage boys so i have yeah a limited perspective on anime and i understand that but for that same reason when i see something being sold in america i'm like eh, maybe <laughs> i'm not going to dismiss it out of hand but i'm not going to be rushing to the store to play it either i mean yeah sometimes it can work in your favor and sometimes not as a kid if i yeah. saw something with anime art i would instantly want it but that was sometimes not a good thing <laughs> i'm sure i've been taken for a ride when i've seen anime art and the game's got nothing no anime aesthetic whatsoever and it's absolutely terrible i'm trying to think of one off the top of my head and i can't but i'm sure there is quite a long list there but the game's only about well for here i think it's only about 20 pounds which mm. which is great for a metroidvania and it's also on game pass so if you have an um... xbox you know <laughs> you can get your 15 dollars from the month out of that Uh, Rosalie, what are you playing in the coming week? Uh, I'm going to try and finish that Sinking City game that I was playing the previous oh, yeah, week. Yeah. I mm -hmm. am very near the end, I think. I'm having... This is the only game 
in my life that I'm playing it with a guide for the entire thing. <laughs> I, I don't know why I'm still playing it. There's actually some really cool bits. There was, I say, this is probably spoilers, but it's not really. There was a mission where you had to stop this old woman from trying to put the soul of her dead son back into his body. Oh, and that doesn't can, sound good. Yeah, you can choose to side with her or give, he's like stuck in a mirror, uh, and you can, <laughs> or you can give it to his brother. I sided with her, and when you do that, it works, but there's like a tiny little coffin, and you just hear someone going like, help, help, and I'm like, wow, this is really grim, and nothing happens after that. She doesn't react, and I'm like, oh no, what have I done? But I kind of like- Sounds like The Witcher. <laughs> yeah, well, I Witcher 3 is one of my favorite games of all time, so I, I like the kind of horrorness of mm -hmm. that. Um, it doesn't happen throughout most of the game, even though it's kind of meant to, because it's like a love crafting thing yeah yeah throughout the game there's like it'll give you like evidence and it'll say oh it's between this street and this street so you're meant to like take ages to look at the map and find out where it is and i just do not have the patience to do that so i've just had the guide up the entire time mm. to tell me exactly in the map where i'm meant to go because it's not a very easy it's open world but it's not really it's a very hard map to get around in because half of the half of the city is underwater so you'll get to a street and eventually you have to get in a boat to go to the other side of the street, which takes about a couple of seconds and it's like, oh, this is not really well thought out. But hey, I might like the ending. Who knows? Yeah, save that for next week. Yeah, I'm going to push through. <laughs> i got to push through. I've been pushing through Chrono Cross. I think I'm going to finish it pretty soon after we wrap up this recording. But wow. That's uh, the one that got remastered fairly recently. Yeah, yeah, the Chrono Trigger sequel that is just, ugh. Anyway, we'll save uh, my ill feelings towards that game. little oh. preview of next week's episode. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a uh, indie puzzle adventure game that, it, it's a puzzle game, but it's also based off the Legend of Zelda. It looks interesting. It's called Dungeons of Red Rock, and I'm going to check that out too. Oh, I'm a big Zelda fan, so I am intrigued. I don't trust people who aren't Zelda fans. There's, True, same. <laughs> there's just something not happening there. Yep. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of End Focus. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us get noticed. You can also listen and subscribe on Stitcher, Spotify, and other podcast services. Make sure to check out our sister shows, PlayState and Power of X. And be sure to join our Discord server to interact with the lively GamePodular community. Follow us on Twitter, YouTube and at GamePodular.com for updates, news and other content. Links are in the show notes. If you'd like to support our shows, you can buy us a coffee or become a GamePodular patron. The details for both things are on our website. Thank you. This episode was edited by Andrew and you can follow them at Play Critically on Twitter or check out their reviews at playcritically.com and you can check out me, Rosalie, at LIL Record Girl on Twitter. Thanks for listening. <laughs>